Welcome, everybody, to the Assuminati podcast, the podcast that explores everyday topics with the assumption that a conspiracy may be at hand. I'm Brandon. I'm Bobby. I'm Matt. Let's do this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, gentlemen, how are we doing today? So you know, good, Brandon. Good. How are you? And you I'm too, really Uncle good. Bobby. Yeah, yeah Bobby's in the house. Great. Matt's in the house. Bobby's in the house. This is great. This is great. We you ready to dig up some secrets today? Absolutely. Always. Yeah, let's do it. Nice. Okay, well, before we dive into that, we just wanted to thank everybody who listened to the last couple weeks' worth of episodes. Uh, first off, the AI or artificial intelligence episode that we had a lot of fun doing. Uh, since then, our robot overlords are now looking over our shoulders and uh, dictating everything we say and do. So <laughs> it's already here. It's already happened. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Anymore. And then we were able to release an Assuminati Vault episode last week. We hope you enjoyed revisiting the Denver International Airport and, and some of the things that come with that. That, again was one of our first major conspiracies we dove into almost two years ago. Can you believe it, gentlemen? No Holy way. Cow. Time flies. I don't know. Listening to it again, though, I, I really need to go on a trip to Denver. And I have a free flight credit that's going to expire soon. So I may Denver. just take a trip by myself to Denver just to hang out in the airport. That does it flight. We'll be doing an Assuminati live episode from the Denver International Airport beneath the gargoyles next to the cryptic murals. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. I'm Let's do it that. down in the tunnels. And then, then, then of course, we're going to sneak or accidentally go into the tunnels and and visit Lucifer, that, that horse that we talk about. We're just doing a full Satan recap of that episode. Satan Steed. Again, <laughs> give that a listen if you haven't already. That, that was a really fun episode. It was fun to, to travel back in time. Uh, a few years and we appreciate everybody who uh remembered that it was in fact our podcast birthday cody gave us a shout out a shout out for for being two years old so hey so sunshine hey, cody. thank you cody sunshine boy is that what we call him yeah yeah we thank everybody Something for big birdie that. no wait who's big birdie big birdie is my man cody that, that okay. would be him again yeah. am i outing all of the uh all code of his words, the secret names give them away you right, named cody. it thanks you for listening it. Yeah, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Speaking of friends of the pod, I also want to mention and give a shout to those who are giving us ratings. Um, thank you very much. A most recent rating, I just want to read this one to you from L-B-O-W-E-K. Uh, says, really funny. Always enjoy listening to these guys and their hilarious takes on everything. Thank you ah. for that nice review. Wow. These reviews are extremely important for us so that we can become more visible uh, and keep creating this content for you. So if you're liking what you're hearing, go out and give us a quick review just like that. Nice. Yeah, thanks that, for your that, reviews. That username, Elbow, I can dig that. Elbow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Your elbow's connected to your... Assuminati pod. To? <laughs> what are your elbows connected to? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Nice. Again, uh, thank you for those reviews. Keep them coming. But now we are about to embark on a mind-bending journey into one of the most notorious conspiracies in 
history, especially here in this country, at least the United States of America. Gentlemen, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it is the most notorious conspiracy. Oh, I, yeah, like I mean, Fight this me? is still yeah. being talked about and it's what, 60 years later. And just on my Facebook feed this week, I came across somebody made a post, some quote from some movie. But the comments, like, I was shocked at how many comments were on this post. Um, and this was just last night, and 860 likes, 206 comments, 160 shares, all about people's opinions. And they are strong opinions on right. what happened. And it's like the majority of people who are alive today were not alive when this happened. None of us were. None of us were. Okay, gentlemen, I'm glad that you agree. And you're right. There is plenty of support for this, especially now in the age of the Internet. And uh, uh, what we are talking about is the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States, back on November 22nd, 1963. So coming up on 60 years ago. Previous the other thing too, if you if you go out to any you know any of the streaming platforms, Netflix or Prime or whatever, and just type in JFK assassination, you'll get you know a hundred different movies and documentaries or whatever. And it's like, what well, you know, what years is twenty twenty three, and we're still talking about this. It continues to captivate a nation. That's crazy. And, and now I, here on the Assuminati podcast, we're going to tackle this topic. Now, right. another interesting, I mean, we mentioned this thing 60 years old, a 60-year conspiracy here. And most recently, one, th- one thing that sparked my interest to get back into this was Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is currently running for the presidency of the United States on the Democratic ticket. He recently had an interview, or, or has given p- several interviews, and has doubled down on his claim and insistence that the CIA was involved in the assassination of his uncle, President John F. Kennedy. A 60-year cover-up is what he said. So that, that, again, pushed this to the forefront of the news. It's 60 years old, so people are looking back into it because of that as well. Uh, documentaries sure. are coming out left and right, revisiting documentaries, documents, you name it. It's, it's at the forefront of society right now once again, 60 years later. Yeah, and I think before we get too far down the road here, I think it's important to give what the official explanation is. And according to the government, well, okay, we'll, we'll get into this, but according to the the what, what, Warren what, Commission, what's the story they want you to know or they want they want you to believe? Yeah, <laughs> according to the official explanation, Kennedy was shot from behind by a one person, Lee Harvey Oswald, from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository, which is a private business. I always thought, you know, that was just a, you know, like a, you know how we have school districts around here. I thought it was like yeah, a school building. I totally thought it was government. a school district building. Yeah. I did. I, th- I was thinking school book depository has got to be, you know, a school district or something. And... Where you return your books in the depository. <laughs> yep. Not so much. It was a private business. So, um, you know, the story tells us that Oswald was a lone nut gunman. But is that 
the whole truth? Or are there hidden forces at play? And that's what we're going to be diving into now. Beautiful, beautiful. So that's exactly what we will dive into uh, and delve into. Now, let's just lay down some key facts uh, about that day in Dallas, Texas. So back in 1963, let's again jump into a time machine here. Put yourself in that era. 1963, Texas, Dallas. JFK was riding in a motorcade. Uh, there are plenty of videos of this that you can see and look up, but be careful. Some are very graphic. When the, the shots were fired, hitting him and Texas Governor John Connolly in the main car. That was a, a real shift in the day's activities, I'm sure. You know, like a nice big parade. It was a peaceful motorcade. And it really turned into a national tragedy that, like we said, is still being talked about today. Yeah, and you're right, Bobby. I mean, the, uh, shaking hands, kissing babies, motorcade parade. He's there to, to mend a relationship of politicians within the Texas area to, to put on a strong Democratic face at the time. So this, this was kind of a, re a re-election push that he was making, which was the reason he was in Texas. But some believe, again, the, the skepticism is off the charts here, and numerous controversies, that's an understatement. So some believe, let's just start here, there was a second shooter. Ah, uh, the infamous second shooter. You know, it's really like the game of Clue, except we're trying to figure out who killed the president. Right. Thanks. Professor Plum in the Texas School Book Depository with a rifle, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Maybe. others... Oh, man. Others suspect, kind of like what I mentioned earlier with um, RFK Jr., who's currently campaigning, is the involvement from government agencies. So let's touch on an article from The Hill. Uh, RFK Jr., Robert Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert F. Kennedy, claimed that his first instinct was that the CIA was involved in JFK's assassination and maybe even his own father's a few years later. Interesting, uh, huh? Yeah, it really is. Interesting it's... that he would he would immediately go to the CIA involvement. Well, what's I... his true motivation in running for president? Do you think he just wants to unseal everything? Because <laughs> as I understand it, the president like has this special little archive that, of all the secrets, so maybe that's why he wants to run. Hopefully, wouldn't that be your motivation if you were the son of someone that was assassinated? The son and nephew of no, the most... Two, uh, two people that were assassinated, two, right? Two of the most famous assassinations in, in world history, let alone American history. Um, they, they rank right up there. Uh, one of his quotes from that... Two assassinations <laughs> in the same family. Well... If you looked at if you look at what they were trying to do and who they made mad, which is what we'll get into a little bit later, uh, RFK Jr. Uh, this is one of his quotes from that interview. There's millions of pages of documents, CIA documents, of transcripts of recorded conversations from the Cuban embassy in Mexico City. It's hard to summarize the evidence. So he's actually speaking directly about a set of documents he believes currently still exist in certain embassies. It's pretty amazing. He does talk about what, what is called the Warren Commission, the Warren Investigation, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well, and, and some of the controversy around that. 
So yeah, this, uh, again, he's doubling down in these interviews. They're not hard to find people. If you Google RFK Jr. and, and his stance on what happened to his uncle specifically, uh, there's a lot out here. Yeah. I mean, talk about a family secret. Can you imagine being in their shoes and suspecting the CIA, your own government of killing, you know, your brother or your father? No, it's pretty dark. I mean, it's a dark thought, right? It, but it just adds another layer of intrigue um, to this already complex conspiracy. Absolutely. Now, this revelation absolutely brings another dimension to the conspiracy theories surrounding the event. Yeah. So, you know, it's really fascinating to think about how one family's experience can shed light on so many significant historical events, especially this one. The the Kennedys in and of themselves are like a conspiracy theory goldmine. Yeah, if you kind of go back to the Kennedys and who they are, starting with Joe Kennedy and what he was doing to make his money during Prohibition uh, and kind of understand that whole history, you'll understand better um, why there were people that were very upset. And we'll get into some of this, but Mafia, uh, for example, the Chicago mob, uh, these were people that were that helped elect John F. Kennedy as president, and they felt very betrayed. And we'll we'll get into that stuff later. But it's you know the whole family enigma uh, just captures everyone's imagination on these things. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive into some of the facts, some of the things that we already know, and just make sure we're all on the same page here. So, so first of all, who? was this shooter who was lee harvey oswald do you guys know much about him well you know i've always heard his name associated with jfk's assassination things you learned in school but i have to be honest like i really didn't know much of anything about him so as i was preparing for this week's um episode i spent some time looking into who he was and i was really curious about what his motive may have been to kill the president and so Lee Harvey Oswald was born on October 18th, 1939. He was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. I think some of your old stomping grounds, Matt. Yeah, for and sure. he had a troubled childhood. He um, growing up mostly without his father, who died before he was born. Um, he joined the United States Marine Corps in 1956, and he was later discharged in 1959. Now, after leaving the Marines, Oswald, he became a self-declared Marxist. And he defected to the Soviet Union, where he lived until 1962 before returning to the United States with his Russian wife, Marina, and their daughter. So upon returning to the United States, Oswald settled in Dallas, Texas, where he held a series of low-paying jobs. Now, on that fateful day, November 22nd, 1963, President John F. Kennedy, he was assassinated in Dallas, and Oswald was arrested that afternoon. Now, he was initially arrested for the fatal shooting of a Dallas police officer, J.D. Tippett, which had occurred shortly after the assassination. Later that night, he was also charged with the assassination of Kennedy. But, and this is something I did not really ever know. It was a surprise. Maybe you guys knew it. But two days later, as Oswald was being transferred from police headquarters to the county jail, a Dallas nightclub owner named Jack Ruby shot Oswald at point-blank range in front of television cameras. Oswald was then taken to Parkland Memorial Hospital, 
the same hospital where President Kennedy had been taken just two days earlier, and there he died a couple of hours later. So Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested, and he was charged with the murder of Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett. Tippett was shot and killed approximately 45 minutes after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, um, which was just a few miles away from Dealey Plaza, where Kennedy was shot. So Oswald, he was confronted by Tippett, who had received a description of the suspected assassin over police radio. Now, the evidence tying Oswald to Tippett's murder is substantial. There was multiple witnesses that reported seeing a man matching Oswald's description shoot Tippett, and he, they said he fled, fled the scene. There were shell casings found at the scene that matched Oswald's revolver, and Oswald was apprehended shortly afterward in a nearby theater, reportedly acting suspiciously. Additionally, they did find a jacket that was matching one Oswald was wearing, um, and that was found near the crime scene. However, Oswald never stood trial for either the assassination of President Kennedy or the murder of Officer Tippett because he was killed just two days later. So... So can we add a few of the facts that that I think came up later on? I mean, we might go over some of this when we, when we talk about the evidence tying uh, Oswald, but one of the things that's interesting, well, there's a lot that's interesting about Oswald. Okay. First, I don't know if you guys have heard uh, the theory of the, the Oswald lookalike, right? So there was a, um, a man that allegedly worked for the CIA um, that was spotted in the same areas as Oswald that looked an awful lot like Oswald and was trying to, I think, match what he looked like. Just throwing it out there. I know it seems far-fetched, but there's, you know, in one of the documentaries I watched, there was a, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, darn it. But anyway, he explained the whole the whole situation how um this man was a CIA representative hired to frame Oswald essentially. Um he was mm-hmm. wearing the same clothing, the same jacket that got left behind. Um when Oswald was arrested, he did not have a weapon on him. So there's that. Uh the other thing too is you know when he uh, was in the school book depository when Kennedy was shot. Um, he was downstairs having a soda in the break room. At the, at the same time, there was a witness that spotted him in the break room having a soda. And then later on, there were other witnesses that said he didn't act like he did anything. You know, he snuck into the theater, which is where they found him. He didn't pay for a ticket. He He did sneak in. Um, and that's where he was found and arrested. But yeah, anyway, and keep those things if in I mind. I remember right. Carry on. Oswald worked at the school book repository or depository, that's true. right? He no. was an employee. He punched in. That's how that's how they could um, nail down the times that he was there because of his clock in and clock out. So did he clock out on that day? He did. So if you shot the president, why would you take the time to clock out? Why would you? It begs the question, right? Well, the police, uh, as the police rushed the building, they they were escorted by a a manager of that building. They encountered Oswald on his way down from the sixth floor, 
because Oswald worked there, he checked out like, he, oh, yeah, that, that's just one of our employees. And down he went. So the, the police came face to face with Oswald minutes after the shooting. Uh, so I, I, if I were trying to not bring attention to myself, I would clock out or check out, I guess. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Hey, I'd stay on the payroll. Keep getting yeah. those hours clocking <laughs> up. You're gonna paid, have, keep, if to you're going to have a legal defense, you'll well be getting paid. And then many believe, had he paid for a ticket instead of snuck in, he may have never been caught. That's another thing to, to, to think about here. Had he not <laughs> snuck in. Because that's why he that's why the cops were called on him at the theater, at least. That's right. Was there was a man who snuck in here. We want you to come take care of it. He was linked to Tippett and eventually linked to Kennedy. And so the, it, it really was a domino. It Yeah. Had he so let's talk about that. Ticket. Let's talk yeah. about how and why he was. So the Warren Commission established um by uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, with all his Texas buddies, by the way, you can look it up, who was on the commission. It's they, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. You guys can part of us. make your of own it. decisions, but it's an interesting crew that he threw together for the Warren Commission. All right. Anyway, there was a Warren Commission um, that was formed by the vice president to investigate the Kennedy assassination. Um, and they concluded that Lee Harvey, and quickly, by the way, that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Um, in assassinating the president. Their findings were based on multiple pieces of evidence, and we've talked about those, but to bring them all back together, um, presence of the crime scene, we talked about that, right? He was there. There's no doubt about it. People, you know, eyewitnesses saw him. There was eyewitness testimony um, saying that a man matching his description was on the sixth floor in the window of the Texas School Book Depository building, uh, others reported hearing shots from that direction. Uh, there were ballistics evidence. The bullets and bullet fragments um, found two of the bullet fragments uh, found in the presidential limousine and, uh, and Governor John Connolly's body were ballistically matched to the rifle, to Oswald's rifle. Um, and then we talked about, well, maybe we didn't talk about, but the rifle itself uh, was Oswald's rifle. They prove they prove that they know that that was the case. Purchased under so those the are some alias pretty a Hidel. yeah, yeah, a Hidel. Yeah. right? And that was just the, on the Kennedy assassination. Then there's the evidence connecting Oswald, Oswald to J.D. Tippett's murder, which is a little bit more again, egregious. Plenty of eyewitnesses, ballistics evidence, jackets, like he had mentioned. That was a pretty easy connection once they found him. Um, uh, accosted or, or confronted by Tippett, as you'd mentioned before as well. So, uh, right. yeah, I think the evidence on Tippett is a little bit more cut and dry. And that's one of the things that kind of makes me, whenever it's question about all these different conspiracy theories, it's like, well, you know, if he was just this innocent guy, why would he kill a police officer? So that that's one of my thoughts. And then one of my other thoughts we'll get into later, but despite all the substantial body of evidence linking Oswald to both of these crimes, he did maintain his innocence up until his death, stating that he was a patsy. His death was just two days after his arrest, um, which fueled further speculation and conspiracy theories surrounding the events of November 22nd. 
Patsy, Patsy, that you'll hear that word come up often, especially as we dive into some of these other theories and, and uh, conspiracies themselves. And if you look at his life history, again, we, we don't have time to go completely into it at this point, but Oswald had a pretty rough childhood. And psychologists have broken him down both in person and posthumously. Well, what's that word? Post Posthumously. 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 Since his death, have, have reviewed his upbringing and, and identified him, especially his need for some kind of a group or acceptance within a group. Uh, you mentioned some of the groups that he belonged to. None of them really wanted him. If you look at that type of a setup, that type of a life, he is kind of the perfect patsy. All it takes is for one person to put their arm around him and they may be able to convince him <laughs> to, to do what they need him to do. And in this case, maybe the killing of Kennedy. Yeah. Now, my thoughts on Oswald <clears throat> have always been that he is definitely involved, but I don't think he was the killer. I, I think that he was definitely involved, but definitely not the killer. Yeah. We I, I think he was definitely involved for sure. Um, I, I, I think it would be too hard to say he wasn't involved at all. Was he the ringleader and the person that pulled this all together? Likely not. Um, and there's a lot of different pieces of evidence that could point to, to other people being part of it. But the, the biggest thing that I question is, okay, so he killed this police officer one, but then why would this nightclub owner kill him? Uh, yeah, so let's talk about, uh, so as we mentioned, Oswald was killed just a few days later after capture, after arrest, by this nightclub owner, Jack Ruby. So what would Jack Ruby's motive be to kill Oswald? What do you guys think? So there's a lot of different arguments on this, but um, some of the ones that I've heard are that he, you know, and the Warren Commission, I think, pointed out that he was just a lone actor. Um uh, didn't have any ties with anybody else. Um, only wanted the glory of killing the man who killed the president that everyone loved. Right. That's their argument. I've also heard um, that he had deep mafia ties, deep mafia ties. And so these were people that hated the Kennedys. And why did they hate the Kennedys? Because um, John Kennedy's brother, Bobby, was what the attorney general, right? And he was cracking down on organized crime, which again, we've talked about how Joe Kennedy was, um, you know, kind of into the organized crime back in the prohibition days. It's how he made his money on, uh, you know, giving, you know, <laughs> bringing in, uh, contraband and, and kind of doing it that way. I mean, look it up. Don't take my word for it, but Joe Kennedy had some deep mafia ties as well. And I think the mafia got Kennedy elected. If you kind of look at the history um, in the key states that were battleground states, the mafia kind of owned those states, right? And they were the swing states that got Kennedy elected. And I think they felt like they were stabbed in the back when Bobby Kennedy kind of went after him as attorney general to break up the mafia. That's a huge conspiracy in, in itself that we do not have time to go completely into, but you're right. I mean, that's, uh, that needs to be considered here. But maybe we should also, you know, um, Bobby, if you want to give us a little background on who Jack Ruby was, we can kind of discover 
you know, that he did yeah. have some of those ties. Yeah, so Jack Ruby, his real name was Jacob Rubenstein. Um, he was a Dallas nightclub owner. He is the one who shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald. That's really not a, in dispute at all. It was right in front of a bunch of TV cameras. And so, and that was just two days after um, Oswald was arrested for the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, as well as Officer Tippett. And according to Ruby, um, to his statements to the police and the press, he killed Oswald out of grief and anger over Kennedy's assassination. And he wanted to spare the president's widow, Jackie Kennedy, the ordeal of a trial. You know, how nice of him. What a savior, you know, taking care of this. Um, but he stated that his motive was purely patriotic. It was spontaneous. And it was just driven by his strong emotional reaction to the president's death. However, as with many elements of the Kennedy assassination, Ruby's actions have been the subject of so much speculation. There's been a lot of conspiracy theories about this. Um, some have suggested that Ruby killed Oswald to prevent him from revealing the larger conspiracy. And others have suggested that Ruby, he had connections, like you said, Matt, to organized crime, that he was ordered to kill Oswald by the mob bosses. So Ruby, he was convicted for Oswald's murder in 1964, but his conviction was later overturned on the grounds that he did not receive a fair trial. Before a new trial could be arranged, Ruby died in prison in 1967 from a pulmonary embolism after a lung cancer diagnosis. Yeah, allegedly. How convenient. Convenient. Now, now that you've broken down some of that great information there, Bobby, I mean, how do you feel overall about Mr. Jack Ruby? I, I personally feel robbed, and I, I think a lot of people do too, that, that Jack Ruby robbed the nation, the world, of, of a trial in which maybe the truth would have come forward. And uh, Yeah, I just don't buy for a second that he did this to be noble and to protect Jackie Kennedy from having to experience a trial. I don't think he was truly emotional about the present. That just all feels like a bunch of malarkey to me. Um, Now, had someone close to the Kennedy family, like even Jackie Kennedy, pulled the trigger to kill Oswald? Like, okay, yeah, she was purely just upset and was taking revenge. But it Jack Ruby was not close to the family. I don't know that he even knew them. Other than him being the president, so but um, but one thing that's not in dispute is his mob ties. Not at all. You, Very true. You Very can go true. back and look at those things. It's it's well documented that he had deep ties to the mafia. That who had a deep deep hatred for John F. Kennedy. Absolutely. And, and then the, I think you you had mentioned the hero narrative, like he he wanted to be the hero. Maybe he thought he would be immediately pardoned from this murder because he's the hero who killed the murderer of John F. Kennedy. And I, I, I thought maybe he was doing it for, to promote his nightclub. Maybe he thought in his, <laughs> in a messed <laughs> up way, he, he would gain notoriety for this and, and, and capitalize on it. But yeah, it's hard to ignore his ties and some of his behind the scene motivation. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm mad about it. I, I, I think Jack Ruby is a true villain here. For, for taking that away from the country. So just, just one other thing to consider with the mafia connection before we move on is some of those families had lost significant investments when Castro, uh, Fidel Castro came to power in Cuba and ousted the, the old dictator uh, Bautista. 
um, who had allowed the mafia to kind of flourish in the country. Um, the failure of Bay of Pigs invasion, which Ooh. if you know yeah. what that is, uh, we can get into that, but um, look it up. It's the mafia allegedly had a, a role in that um, as they kind of hoped a successful invasion would return um, Cuba to the, to the right regime, right? Back to the uh, Batista regime. Um who was more sympathetic to their interests. So that, you know, that could have increased their animosity towards Kennedy as well. Absolutely. And then there's Lee Harvey Oswald himself. Uh, his uncle had well-known ties to the mafia and mob uh, down in that Louisiana area. And so, although there's no concrete evidence that he communicated with his uncle during this period of time, it's tough to ignore that maybe they would have been involved with both Ruby and Oswald to, to make yeah. this thing happen. Could be a plausible theory for sure. Plausible theory. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It, it definitely feels more real than I killed him for noble reasons. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, so all we've talked about so far is the story that we, that at least that they want you to know from that Warren commission <laughs> investigation we've investigated ourselves and found <laughs> this to be true people just believe it and move on and uh, i think the warren commission caused more questions than answer answers um, do you know while you're talking about that I, I don't think it's in the rest of what we plan to talk about but you know the warren commission was not the last government weigh in on this whole thing and I don't think people realize there was a there was a committee that was chosen later, you know, much later, um, to review the Warren Commission's findings. You know, there was a special committee on assassinations that was uh, developed, at, you know, I think in the 70s. I could be wrong about that, but it was something like that. Uh, and they determined that the Warren Commission was... They they lacked a lot of evidence. They left a lot of things out. They left a lot of uh, unturned you know pages. A lot of uh, interviews that were lost. All of those things. And they determined later that it was not um, just one person that killed John Kennedy. And they they essentially said that. They said wow. that you know it could still be that Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald was involved. But it was likely that he was part of a larger conspiracy. So let's dive into one of those conspiracies where there is, in fact, more than one person involved here. So one of the most popular theories is that there was a second shooter. This one comes from the infamous Grassy Knoll. Many eyewitnesses report hearing shots from that direction during the assassination. That's true. Yeah, so that, that theory... Um, is actually one of the most prominent and enduring conspiracy theories surrounding the entire President John Kennedy assassination. So a lot of people almost immediately after the event started doubting the official account, which why would they do that, right? There was all these holes in it. Um, but the grassy knoll theory assumes that there was a second gunman uh, located on a grassy knoll along the presidential motorcade, motorcade route through Dealey Plaza in Texas, um, that theory is primarily based on the interpretation of the noises heard on audio recordings from the day, as well as if you see some of the video um, of people during that time uh, right at the shot 
Mark, you see people kind of running towards the grassy knoll. And, and I think in some of these videos, you can see a little poof of smoke and some of the, um, witnesses have mentioned seeing the same thing. All right. So that's the photographic and film evidence that have been kind of gone over by proponents of that theory. Um, some claiming to have identified a figure as the badge man in quotations or the black dog man on the grassy knoll um, around the time of the shooting. Uh, however, none of those analysis has ever provided conclusive evidence uh, and the images are kind of blurry and hard to interpret if you, if you look at some of those things. Yeah. The quality of video equipment back then was not nearly what we have today. So being able to use that evidence to purely um, determine what happened is not going to happen based on that video evidence. Um, I find um, it funny, though, now that I think about this, like I didn't know anything about this grassy knoll theory back in college, but the the grass between our apartment buildings, we called that the grassy knoll where we all hung oh, out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> now that has a totally different meaning. A different meaning. Yeah, the grassy knoll uh, has made its way uh, consciously or subconsciously into to many different things. Um, yeah, I mean, there's video showing uh, one of the, the Secret Service agents running towards the grassy knoll, and uh, it, that has been passed off as he was just looking to communicate with another official in that direction. He wasn't going after a suspect that he thought was there. And then have we talked about the acoustics, gentlemen, of that area? That has a lot to do with what people heard. If you look at the way that this this area of the city is laid out, you have many different buildings facing many different directions. It creates kind of a little canyon in that area. If you look at the layout of this this street, as well as is how it it moves through these buildings and and this park area, there's a bridge. Uh, the acoustics from these shots fired uh, may have thrown some people off as to where these shots came from. And so I think acoustics played a played a huge role in, in what people think may have happened. Yeah, there's that. But then also, if you consider um, that the majority of the witnesses that they interviewed. OK, so I think it was like, I don't know, 38 people that said they all smelled smoke or gunfire. And you know, you guys have all been around weapons. You've been around guns. Mm -hmm. We've shot guns together, and you know what it smells like. Yeah. Um, when your firearm is discharged, well, that is what people claim to smell near the grassy knoll, um, as well. And so that would be very difficult to explain that away because, you know, the the hearing and the acoustics thing. I can understand that. You know, you get echoes all over the place and. Who knows? You know, who who knows what you're hearing? That's interesting. But I... one thing that doesn't betray usually is this is that smelling sense, right? Yeah. If and and you have to be kind of close to gunfire to be able to smell it. At yeah, least in my if, experience. If the only gun fired was from a sixth floor, you're not gonna be smelling that down near the street level. Right. And these are multiple witnesses. Multiple witnesses. It's not just one or two people that said, oh, yeah, I smelled some gun, gunfire or whatever, and or the, imagined and the gun, that they smelled it. The gunpowder smell plays into one of the other theories that we will go into. And so we're going to revisit that yeah, here, here in a few minutes. 
Okay, so we've got the grassy knoll theory. The next one was pretty interesting. Uh, so there's another theory that supports a second shooter. It's called the Umbrella Man theory. Yeah, the Umbrella Man theory um, stems from a particular idea that, uh, or a detail that was observed in the photographic and film footage. So maybe the Zapruder, Zapruder film mm. um, yep. from some of the scene of the assassination. Uh, and in that footage, a man can be seen holding up a black umbrella in the north side of Elm Street, despite the fact that it was clear and sunny day. So why why would you need an umbrella, right? But that man was dubbed the Umbrella Man um, and is located roughly at the point where Kennedy's motorcade first reacts to the first gunshots. Um, so given the seemingly incongruity of the umbrella on a sunny day and its coincidental timing with the shooting... Um, this is where this theory of the umbre umbrella man was born. So the theory wow. posits that the umbrella was a signal to one or more shooters. So he was the point man to, to kind of call out the signal. Um, another more elaborate theory suggests that the umbrella was a concealed weapon, uh, that shot a dart with a paralyzing agent at Kennedy, making him an easier target for the actual fatal shots. Wouldn't they have found um, the dart though? You'd think so, but this is some, if you, uh, if you go down that road, though, uh, Bobby, you you see that. I mean, we can talk about that stuff now or later, but the the Secret Service completely cleaned the car as soon as it got to the hospital. Yeah. Um, the doctors there were wanted to do the opt autopsy immediately, but were forcefully told that they could not do the autopsy there. Kennedy's body yeah. had to be shipped back to Bethesda to do it um, there. Um, so they refused to do any of that. So a lot of those things, if you kind of look at the side, um, you know, what was happening in the surrounding situation, you know, it makes this theory maybe a little bit more plausible. Um, but during that, so we talked about the House Select Committee on Assassinations in the 70s. Um, and during that, a man named Louis Stephen Witt came forward and testified that he was the Umbrella Man. So I don't know if you guys knew that, but according to him, he raised the umbrella to heckle Kennedy because the umbrella was a symbol of uh, Neville Chamberlain's policy of appeasement to Hitler. Wow. And Kennedy's father, Joe Kennedy, which we've already talked about, was seen as a supporter of that policy. So Witt brought so that umbrella... <laughs> <laughs> to silently protest JFK's foreign policy, not knowing that it would become a suspect uh, or a subject of such controversy. Huh. That's according to the Umbrella Man theory. That is an interesting. Wow. Silent protest. So what? Kind what's of Rihanna? Well, what's Rihanna trying to tell us with her song? Is there something hidden in? Yep. Stand under my umbrella, Ella. She knows. Is she knows more she than knows. she's saying. Rihanna, somebody get her on the get her on the line even though she didn't write that song whatever um <laughs> okay wow so in an attempt to protest kennedy he now became a subject of investigation that that's interesting i was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong umbrella with the all right okay all right yeah i, I had no idea this was a brand new one for me that, that's that's really interesting should we dive into the some of the biggies? Yeah, let's, ready let's for talk about it. Oh, man. Okay. So let's talk about 
this next theory suggesting that the CIA orchestrated the assassination to protect their covert operations and prevent JFK from, from pursuing certain policies or ruining certain policies. Oh, come on, really? But the CIA pull strings, you know, that's just stuff you see in the spy movies. But, you know, as you see all these movies and stuff, really makes you question, you know, what's really going on behind the closed doors. Okay, well, what? let's consider why the CIA would be upset, right, <laughs> at, at Kennedy. So we can talk about that. But the first, the CIA theory uh, alleges that the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency was somehow involved in the planning, execution, and subsequent cover-up of President John F. Kennedy's assassination. This theory, like many others, stems from doubts and inconsistencies with the official Warren Commission report. That's where it comes from. That's the background. The other thing, too, uh, adding to the background, are a few of the reasons that they would have motive to be upset with uh, Kennedy and get rid of him, right? So the first one was the Bay of Pigs invasion. We talked about that. Kennedy uh, botched that whole thing. And it wasn't really him that botched it, if you if you understand the Bay of Pigs situation. But... Um, a CIA-backed mission to overthrow the Cuban leader, Fidel Castro, failed. Um, and it created huge tension between the president and the CIA. And the CIA, if you guys look at the background of this, operated without Kennedy's approval to go forward on this uh, attempt at Castro's life. Wow. Uh, later, Kennedy took full... Um, responsibility for it even though he did not sign off and was completely against them going moving forward but they did anyway so keep that in mind um so kennedy wanted to get rid of and dismantle the cia i think his words were to make it crumble and go away or some something to that effect there's a quote out there don't you know don't take my word for it but he wanted to blow it apart and just get rid of the cia completely dismantle it entirely um, so that would be motive on the CIA, CIA's part to get rid of this guy. Um, the CIA was deeply involved in uh, with mafia and anti-Castro groups. So they're, they're known to have had connections with organized crime syndicates and anti-Castro Cuban groups in attempts to overthrow Castro's regime more than just the Bay of Pigs incident. Um, so those relationships have led to some of uh, to theorize a wider conspiracy involving the groups in Kennedy's assassination was facilitated by the CIA. Ooh, and you mentioned something important earlier. Uh, Kennedy did not sign off on <laughs> some of the, so, so the CIA kind of does what it wants. And Kennedy's threat to the CIA is, well, if you're going to do what you want and not check in with the big man, dismantled. Yep. You're going to get dismantled. And so motive and is he meant high. It. Motive is high. He meant what he said. And so was this a way to, to keep themselves intact and, and to, to get rid of the person attempting to dismantle them? That, that's major motive here, gentlemen. Major motive. Well, if the CIA is really running things like I've been led to believe by many shows and movies I've watched, then this is totally plausible. Yeah, it's nothing new, right? This, this is the plot of... How many movies, how many 
TV series? How many novels? The CIA. They gonna get you. They're listening to us right now, gentlemen. So, uh, good I'm luck. Guaranteed. Good luck. Yeah. What, what's the little old Suminati podcast got to do with with any of this? We're nothing, right? We're no threat. Unless we just figured it all out, and now, now they're going to come after us. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well we're not they... the first ones to talk about this one, so I think yeah, we, we're okay there. Before the CIA be comes to get before they come to get us, everybody go sign up with Audible. It's free. You get a <laughs> you get a thirty day trial. There's <laughs> all kinds of um, audiobooks and books about this assassination um, that you could listen to on Audible. So, so if many. you go to our our website assuminati.com and click on the sponsors tab, um, there's a link you can follow to get a free trial of Audible. Yeah, so you not free. out anything. Just sign up, do it for for thirty days, check it out. I think you'll fall in love with it and keep it. But what do I know? I, I use it a lot time, yeah. um, in my commute to work, and between that and podcasts, I I learn all kinds of things. Cancel it anytime, no risk. Yeah, what, what's not to love? Check out Audible, our friends at Audible. We appreciate the support. And that concludes part one of our JFK assassination conspiracy episode. Be sure to catch part two next week as we continue the conversation. Also, be sure to like, subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating on whatever platform you catch our podcast on. Thanks again for listening to the Assuminati podcast. <laughs>